Uh, today, we're going to continue in what has developed into a uh, sermon series. Um, it was just going to be one Sunday, and that was it. But today, it is developed into the third week where we're talking about closer, about being close to God in, in church. You know, James chapter 4, verse 8 tells us this. It says, come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and and the world and church, that's a struggle for us, isn't it? Today, I have a question for you. And the question starts out like this. What is your identity? Why don't you think about that? What is your identity? I asked a young man this this past week, and he pulled out his wallet. He showed me his driver's license. I said, no, that's your identification. I'm talking about your identity. Webster's Dictionary defines identity as this. The fact of being who or what a person or a thing is. So who are you, church? Who are you? I hope that your answer can come about today, and if it isn't already, that you can shoot it out now, but maybe by the end of the service, church, our identity is found in Christ Jesus. It's not in how much money you have. It isn't the job that you have. It isn't who you married or how many kids you have. Your identity is found in Christ Jesus. Today, I want to focus on something that maybe a lot of us has experienced in our life. Church, you realize one of the worst feelings in the world is being left out or uninvited. You know what I'm talking about? Like, have you ever been scrolling through your social media and all of a sudden you, you find a picture with all your friends on there and you weren't invited to that event, right? It, it causes you some grief, right? And, and then you get the sinking feeling like, why wasn't I invited to that? You know, church, years ago when I first started ministry and um, I was asked to do a revival somewhere, my very first one, and, and I was nervous because I've been to revivals, but it's different when you got to put one on. And so I went to this very small church. They invited me to come there, and I went to this church. And by day two, the guy that was kind of, I call him the gatekeeper, kind of, he was the one who was supposed to maybe entertain me, kind of stick right by my side the whole time, make sure I get to meet people. He was one of those dudes that, like, you couldn't get him to crack a smile even. I, I was giving him my best stuff to church. He was not cracking a smile at all. And so on this, maybe the second or third day, I can't remember exactly which day it was, we were standing at the entrance of the church greeting people, and I saw this, this car pull up, and this car was pretty beat up. This lady got out of the car, and, and very cautiously, she starts walking towards the church, and, and, and she, you could tell, she didn't have much. Her, her clothes were very tattered and, and, and very worn out. And as this lady comes up there, I'm kind of like, cool, you know, since this dude ain't going to crack a smile, I'm going to give her my best stuff. Maybe it'll work for her. As she came up to the door, the guy, my bodyguard, whatever he was, he said to this lady, and this blew my mind, church. He said to this lady, he said, we wear our best for God at this church. You might want to go home and change. I kid you not. Broke my heart. And I was new in the ministry. You, somebody says that in front of me today, it's on. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be silent with that girl. I didn't know what to do. And so this girl left completely defeated. Completely defeated. I watched her get into her car, and this woman went away, church, feeling uninvited. Uninvited. I want to tell you today, church, if I ever hear any of you say something like that in this church, 
We're going to have a conversation afterwards, okay? I promise you. But can you imagine how that woman felt? Church, how many of you in your lifetime have you ever felt ashamed? How many in your life have you ever felt unworthy, unwanted, or uninvited? But today I want, I want you to hear one of the gospel's greatest truths about Jesus Christ. And here's the truth. If you're writing things down, make sure you write this down. Jesus invites the people others reject. Jesus Christ invites the people who others reject. Today, our main text is going to come from Luke chapter 7. So if you're using your Bible, I want you to turn to that. But I want to give you a little bit of background for Luke chapter 7. It's actually a lot of background, so just buckle up for this. You know, about 2,000 plus years ago when Jesus was walking the earth, Jesus, as we know, he claimed to be God in the flesh, right? You read that all through the Bible. And see, people didn't know. They really didn't know what to do with that because they had been anticipating for many generations for Jesus to come. But the dude that came was not really what they were expecting. And so they, 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 they didn't know what to do. Should we believe him? You know, you read through the Bible, people, they, they would cast doubt on him. Or, or like, is he just some crazy guy who's just going around acting crazy? You know, the thought, if Jesus, though, they had this thought too. The thought was this, if Jesus was God in the flesh, then he would be for the Pharisees. Now, if you don't know a whole lot about Bible history and stuff, I'm going to give you a little lesson today. The Pharisees were the religious rulers of the time. Let me give you a little bit more background about these dudes. Now, these guys were the most outwardly pious. I'm talking about the most outwardly, the most devoted religiously. Make sure you understand what the word religious is. It's doing the same thing over and over again. I religiously brush my teeth just for you guys, okay? I brush my teeth every day. Religiously, that means you do the same thing over and over again. See, these guys were devoutly religious. They wore these very long, flowing robes. They prayed long, eloquent prayers. I'm talking about those guys, when they're done praying, like, I ain't ever praying in public because I can't pray like that. That's who these guys were. They had these elaborate tassels, and they did elaborate cleansing ceremonies. Church, they were very impressive spiritually. They would never be around anyone. Listen to me. They would never be around anyone who was unclean. And they would completely distance themselves from sinners. So surely, now listen, surely if Jesus was God, then the people thought, then he would be for the Pharisees. Because they're the most religious people around. So one day a Pharisee named Simon decided to throw a party at his house and it was like a Pharisee party. And see, a Pharisee party is way different than today's parties. You know, they didn't get together and roast hot dogs over fire and, and listen to the latest Jewish rap songs. They didn't do any of that kind of stuff. They, they would gather and it was kind of like the who's who among the Pharisees. And they would put on like this really big show talking about very heavy things of God, and it was a public discussion where they would show off their wealth, and they would show off their knowledge, and here's how they would do it, church. They would, they would meet in the outer room of the house, so the building they're in. There's an outer room, and this outer room was almost always surrounded by a porch, so they would meet. They would dine. They would recline. They would hang out in this outer room talking about important things, and what they would do, church, is they would leave the door open so that common people, 
common people could come and listen to their big talk. Now make sure you get this in your head, okay? There was no TVs. There was no cars, there was no Netflix, there was no video games, all right? This was kind of the social thing. You would go there. It was first century entertainment is what it was. And you would go there and listen and be entertained by these guys. And so what happened was Jesus, he got invited to this party and suddenly someone else came who wasn't invited. And when this person walked in the room, church, it was the most shocking thing to these Pharisees, it was the worst thing that ever they had ever experienced, and they hated every moment of it. Now look with me in Luke chapter 7. I'm going to pick you right up where this happens. Verse 37 says this. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life. I want to stop right there. Listen, a sinful life. When the Bible talks about a woman who lived a sinful life, what that is is that's code word for a prostitute. All right, they cleaned it up for you. A woman who lived a sinful life, that means she was a prostitute. So a woman in town who had lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. So you got a prostitute that's coming to this Pharisee's party. Remember, they couldn't be around sinful people. And she was a prostitute. That's essentially who she was. So imagine this, the Pharisees are in the outer room, they're, they're, they're talking big talk, they're impressing everyone there, and then suddenly this prostitute walks in the party. I'm sure all the Pharisees gasped, right? And, and see, this isn't right. She wasn't invited. You know, she's unclean, she's impure, she's a sinner. She got no business being here at our party. She's unworthy, and in their mind, she was not invited. Church, I want you to pause for a moment, try to gather maybe this young woman's mind for a moment. She's hurting. She's hurting. And so imagine for this one moment, right, that it would, what it would have been like to be her. Imagine what it would have been like to be her. And so, you know what? The Bible doesn't give us specifics about it, but, but let's be creative with her situation, okay? Let's be just a little bit creative with her situation. So obviously she made some wrong decisions in life. That's why she's a prostitute. She didn't grow up probably wanting to be a prostitute. You know, she wasn't sitting in school and the teacher asked, hey, everybody, what do you want to be? I want to be a teacher. I want to be a lawyer. I want to be a prostitute. That probably did not happen. I'm sure that she never said that. So if that's not what she wanted, then I want you to think for a moment, church, how did she end up there? See, this was not a profitable career, right? It, it was shameful. It was dark. It was a degrading thing, same thing that it is today. So what could have left, led this woman into this kind of a lifestyle? See, maybe she had, just maybe, let's throw this out there. Maybe she had a distant, uninvolved dad who didn't protect her from bad influences. So maybe early on she made some decisions that, that spiraled out of control and she got into the wrong crowd. Maybe, just maybe, church, her dad was abusive. We took advantage of his daughter in a way that's absolutely horrific. Church, maybe she got confused and she felt this very deep sense of shame, a guilt that even though it wasn't her fault, she was wearing that guilt. 
Maybe because she never got secure in her identity, she went looking for love in all the wrong places. Maybe, church, just maybe both of her parents got killed. And the only way that she could survive, she found a way to make money. And she despised it every day, but she started something that she couldn't stop. She felt trapped in it. Maybe, church, we don't know. We, we have no idea, but just maybe. Maybe she was pressured by a young man to, to, to sleep with her, and she got pregnant, and then this dude skipped town. And in that day, you couldn't put your baby up for adoption. Nobody would want it. You couldn't get help from the government. You ended up being despised. You ended up being shamed, and you ended up where you weren't welcome, even in the synagogue, even in the church. You weren't even employable. Maybe that's the only way she felt she could support her baby, church. We don't know for sure. The Bible doesn't make it clear, but we do know that she didn't want that lifestyle, and every day she was used and abused. Do you realize all the other women, they would have glared at her. They would have hated her for it. You know, it's kind of like, what, what, do, I, what do I do? You know, uh, the, the, she had this attitude, you know, she felt unloved. She felt ashamed. She felt the guilt. Church, she never would have been invited anywhere that was safe for her. So what I do know is maybe she felt a lot like some of us do. We're just not good enough. Maybe you feel that this morning. You're not good enough. You feel maybe guilty for where you've been in your life. You, you, you're wondering how did you end up where you're at today. You know, we, we never, ever thought we would be whatever, right? We never thought we would be divorced. You maybe never thought that you had to file bankruptcy. You never ever dreamed in your life that you would never have contact with one of your kids. You never thought that you would be homeless. You never thought that you would have no family. You never thought that you would be abandoned by so many people. Maybe that's you today. Church, this woman, she felt uninvited. So what did she do? This woman walks right into a Pharisee's party. She runs over to Jesus. She falls on her knees in a posture of worship. She breaks open a jar of perfume, and she pours it on Jesus' feet. You might say, preacher, what's the big deal? It's a huge deal. Let me tell you why. You realize this perfume was her most valuable possession. It was her most valuable possession possession and it would have been something crazy right something crazy expensive it would have been maybe her nest egg it would have been maybe her savings and not only was it valuable financially but but it was also a symbol of her future so what does she do with all that church what does she do with all that in one single act listen to me in one single act she extravagantly worshiped Jesus Christ. I'm talking extravagantly. She gave it everything that she's got. Everything. And not only was she extravagantly worshiping Jesus, but she was symbolically repenting of that old lifestyle that she had been living. She was repenting that, and it is the best. You know, she's had that attitude, like, this is the best that I have at this moment, and I am offering all of it. Lord, I'm offering all of this to you right now. And she worshiped him in that moment, crying of repentance. Turn with me if Luke, 
Back to Luke chapter 7, verse 38. We're going to roll on here, right? Remember, she busted into this party. She learned Jesus was there. She had her jar of perfume, verse 38, said this, as she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, and she kissed them, and she poured perfume on them. Church, she couldn't stop that emotion. How many of you are like that? You're an emotional person. I mean, once the emotion starts happening, whether it be good, bad, or ugly, right, it's rolling. See, this woman couldn't stop her emotion. The Bible says she was just weeping. She was weeping and wiping his feet with her hair. There's some significance in that. You know, one of my favorite things about my wife is her hair. It really is. And, and, and I like my wife's hair real long. <laughs> As I told her earlier, that's a hint. We actually took a vote at home last week. Uh, we all voted that Mary should let her hair grow longer, but uh, she probably won't. Yeah, she voted that I need to grow mine longer too. <laughs> so. You know, but I love my wife's hair long. I like it when she would put in a ponytail back when she had longer hair, right? It, it was really cool. And it's something just I adored about her. But you know what, church, in Jewish times, you know what, this was inappropriate. The fact that this woman let her hair down, because in Jewish times, a woman would never let her hair down in public. That was a disgrace if you would do this. So this girl, she was so overcome by emotion. She was so overcome by emotion that that she doesn't have a towel. She doesn't have a towel. And she realized that she just cried on Christ's feet. So she let her hair down, and she's sitting there sobbing and weeping and wiping Christ's feet because she can't contain church. She can't contain her love. She can't contain her adoration, and she cannot contain the worship to the Son of God. Take out verse 39. It says this, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, now I want you to take note right there. It says he said to himself, he didn't say this verbally, so he's thinking this, right? The Bible says he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Now listen, this is where Jesus gets wild, church. This is one of those wild Jesus moments there. Have you ever had someone who's looking at your tongue to him all of a sudden go, oh, I can read your mind. I know what you're going to do, right? I know what you're going to say. I can read your mind. All right. They really and truly can't read your mind. They're taking a really good educated guess at what you're going to say either because they know you very well and they know what's coming next or they're just guessing good because of the situation. That person really and truly cannot read your mind. But I want to tell you something. Jesus can He knows what you are thinking right now. So quit making fun of me, all right? Jesus knows what you're doing. No, seriously, Jesus knows right now what you're doing. He can read your mind. And so Jesus reads this dude's mind, and you got to feel bad for him, okay? you got to feel bad for this guy because Jesus read the mind of Simon, the guy who invited him to the party. And so he turns to Simon, and he tells him this. In Luke chapter 7, verses 44, we'll start there. It says, then he turned towards the woman. So he's looking at the woman, but he's saying to Simon, see, there's a lot of seriousness in there. And it says, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house, Simon. You did not give me any water for my feet 
but she wet my feet with her tears and she wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown, but whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. Church, I like that part right there where he says, is someone who has been forgiven a little loves a little. And so the opposite of that, we know what it is, right? Someone who's been forgiven of a lot, they love a lot. Church, do you realize what you've been forgiven of? You're like, oh, preacher, I'm not that bad. Yes, you are. Remember, Jesus reads your thoughts. You have been forgiven of a lot. And so the Bible pretty much makes it clear to you that if you've been forgiven for a lot, then you should be loving lots. And Jesus, he's telling this woman, he's saying, you are whole, lady. You are whole. You have been made brand new. You are now white as snow. And here's a question we might have. We might have this question. Why did this woman risk so much to be at the feet of Jesus? Why? See, why does she apparently rush across town when she heard Jesus was at this party? Why did she walk past men who might have propositioned her or even mocked her? Right? Why? Why would she have gone into the house, church, the house of the Pharisees? They would not have even walked on the same side of the street as this lady because that's how they were. Why would she have ignored every single person in the room and run straight to Jesus, to the feet of Jesus? Why did this woman come and do this? I can't answer it fully, church, because the, the text doesn't say, but I wholeheartedly, this is my opinion, church, I wholeheartedly believe that this woman must have somehow, somewhere, experienced Jesus' unconditional love and indescribable grace. That I got to get to him. I got to get to him. Maybe, church, just maybe she saw a miracle that Jesus performed. Maybe she heard Jesus teach. Maybe she sensed his divine nature. See, Luke doesn't tell us directly, but if you read before this story that I'm giving to you in Luke, if you read this before, Luke does say on this same day that John the Baptist's disciples came to question Jesus. And on that same day, the woman would have come to the party at this house. Jesus gave a message on that same day. Maybe this girl heard it. Maybe she heard it from the back of the crowd, but you know what? She was too ashamed to come forward at that moment. Maybe the summary of the message that Jesus gave on this day might have been this, church. You are invited into God's family. That you are invited. Listen to me, church. Jesus said, you are invited. This isn't just for the prostitute. Church, this is for you. You are invited. Who did he say was welcome, church? Who did he say was welcome? Who did he say was invited? You are. You are invited. You are welcome. 
And here's what's wild about Jesus. He says this, you can come as you are. You can come as you are. Some of you do that in life. I see you at Walmart. You just come as you are. You wake up, you do the wake and shake, and you, I'm ready. But I'm being serious for you for a moment. Think about this. Jesus said you can come exactly as you are. He says you don't have to get better. He didn't say that you have to get to a certain level. He didn't say that you have to know so much of the Bible. He just says, listen, you can come exactly as you are. Right where you're at, right where you're sitting, right at this position in your life, maybe you got a lot going on. Maybe you can relate to some of the shame and the guilt that this prostitute was feeling, whatever it might be. Jesus says, you can come as you are. I want to take you to Matthew chapter 11. Because in Matthew chapter 11, man, I love what he says here. This is Jesus speaking. He says this, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. How many of you feel, feel weary this morning? How many of you honestly feel burdened? Did you hear what Jesus said? He said, I will give you rest. He didn't say, I'm going to give you four more hours to sleep. That's not what he meant by that. He's saying he's going to give you some peace. He's going to give you the fact that you don't have to worry about it. Can you feel his love here, church? He's saying, come to me, those who are wrecked. He's saying, come to me, those who are overcome with guilt. He's saying, come to me, those who are overburdened with shame. He is saying, come to me, those who are tired of trying and never living up to their own standards, let alone the standards of God. He's saying, come to me, those who have been rejected again and again and again by people. He is saying, come to me, those who have been turned away by religion. He's saying, come to me, those who don't have the right clothes and want to come to church. He's saying, come to me, church, because someone maybe who didn't represent truly the love of God and they told you you were not invited. Maybe it's because someone told you that you weren't welcome. He's saying, come to me when you feel like you've got nothing left. He's saying, come to me when you have lost all hope in your life. He's saying, come to me when everything else in you feels desperate and you feel like you can't go on. He's saying, come to me, those of you who are weary, when you are overwhelmed. And he will give you heavenly rest. He will give you heavenly rest. Let's check out what he says. Remember, he said, come to me, all those of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And in verse 29, he says this. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Church, how many of you need some rest for your souls this morning? I'm talking about you can relate. You feel beat down. Maybe it's circumstances of life you had no control over. Maybe it's circumstances that you created. And you're like, God, why are you letting this happen to me? Maybe, church, you're feeling like you honestly don't belong anywhere. Jesus says, come to me. You come to me. Jesus said, no matter what you've done, church, you are still invited. 
you are still invited. Jesus said that you are welcome in God's family. Jesus said, my father has sent me to tell you that he loves you, that he loves you. He says, you are invited, you are invited, and you are invited. Church, I want you to notice a couple of things here. I want you to pay attention to this. This is where the church really needs to open their eyes. I want you to pay attention to the story about this prostitute. Did you realize and did you recognize that pointing out of this woman's sins did not lead her out of a lifestyle of sin? Church needs to get this. Did you see that? Did you see that judging her lifestyle didn't change her lifestyle? Did you see that shaming her for what she did did not set her free from her painful past? What is it that changed in her? It was an invitation. It was an invitation to know the Son of God and to experience his grace, to experience his goodness, to experience his love, and church, most of all, listen to me, to experience his freedom, to experience his freedom. We've got to learn to understand this properly. Jesus didn't come for the righteous church. He did not. He came for the hurting. He came for the broken and the repentant sinners. He didn't come for the healthy. He came for the sick ones. So this morning, as I asked the praise team to come up here this morning, I want you to understand something. I want you to see something this morning. I want you to see this. Jesus says you're still invited. It doesn't matter what you've done. The enemy wants to whisper in your ear all the time like, it's too late for you. There's no hope for you. What if the church found out what you did? Church, if you found out what I did, you probably wouldn't want me up here. But that's none of your business. That's between me and God. See, Jesus says you are still invited. He says, come as you are. Church, he says, come now. He says, you come quickly. He says, you come to know the grace that I want to give you this morning. See, it doesn't matter who you are, church. If you've ever, as you're sitting here today, if you've ever felt unwanted, if you've ever felt like you have failed, if you've ever felt like you've doubted God, if you've ever questioned God, maybe some of you this morning, you feel that you've been hurt by God. He is telling you something. He's saying, you're still invited. This is for you. Maybe you've tried, you've tried and you failed and you failed and you failed again, church, you are still invited. Maybe, maybe you're ashamed. You're ashamed of your addictions. Maybe this morning you're ashamed about the hangups that you have. Maybe this morning you're ashamed of the life that you've been living. I want you to know Jesus says, he says, you come to me with your baggage. He says, you bring it all to me. Bring me the baggage of your past. He said, you bring me the baggage of your present. He said, you come to me and I will give you rest. Church, there is still room for you. It's not full. 
There's a life that God is calling you to do. And so this morning, I want to ask you one more time, where is your identity? Where is your identity this morning? Are you going to say that your identity lies in the things that you've done in your past? Are you going to say that your identity lies in your failures? Are you going to say that your identity lies in all the mistakes, all the guilt, and all the shame that you've got in your life? I want you to know, the enemy's going to lie to you and say that's where you find your identity, but your identity needs to be found in Christ Jesus. And that's the true identity that he has for you. So this morning, if you're sitting here, and man, this sermon hits you hard, maybe you can relate to the prostitute. I'm not saying you're a prostitute, but I'm saying maybe this morning you can relate to that shame, that guilt, that unwanted feeling, that uninvited feeling. God is saying, I want you to come home. And listen, you are invited. I want to invite you to come forward this morning. If you're tired of living that life, you come forward. You, you, you do exactly like that woman did. You offer up every single thing you got. Like, Lord, I'm giving it all to you. All my baggage, all my past, all my hurts, my shame, my guilt. Lord, I want to give all of this to you right now. And here's the cool part. He'll take it. He'll take it. And he'll make you brand new. And that comes from a right relationship with Jesus Christ. That you recognize who you are as a sinner. Romans chapter 3 tells us, church, I tell you every week, all of us fall short of the glory of God. And John chapter 14 tells us there is no other way to heaven except through Jesus Christ. That's the only way you're going to get there. A right relationship with him. And so this morning I'm offering that to you. If you want to take us up on that, I want you to come forward. There will be people here to pray for you. And for the rest of you believers who are sitting here this morning, maybe you're struggling. Maybe you're recognizing that maybe you act kind of like the Pharisees. Church, we don't want to be that church. That you're judging people. That you're acting like they're not good enough. That you're looking at them and saying there's no hope for them. Maybe it isn't even in the church. Maybe it's in your workplace. There's someone there that you know for sure needs Jesus Christ. Are you inviting them to a right relationship with Him? Maybe it's at your school. For those of you who are still in school, whether it be high school or college, whatever, you know of someone there doesn't know Jesus Christ personally, are you inviting them to know him? Maybe it's somebody in your family. Man, it is hard to witness to your own family, isn't it? But maybe God's calling you to do that this morning. So how about it, church? Let's stand together and let's sing. But I want to encourage you to respond this morning.